Well, good morning. Welcome to worship here at University Heights United Methodist Church. Hope you and your family are well here this morning as we continue through the season of Lent. Are you looking forward to Easter? Do some of you have some Easter decorations out around your home? Got your baskets ready to search for some eggs? We're looking forward to a, a wonderful Easter season here in, in two weeks. We'll have a beautiful worship Easter morning. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, so come ready to wave your branches and sing ho uh, hosannas. Uh, we'll be hosting a Maundy Thursday service um, that Holy Week here at the church. Uh, Pastor Amy Lee from Rosedale Hills will be the preacher, uh, but our, our music uh, team will be providing uh, uh, music for the service. Good Friday will be hosted at Rosedale Hills United Methodist Church with uh, Dr. Jeremiah Gibbs preaching. So we'll remind you of all that uh, next Sunday as we prepare for Holy Week. Uh, this morning we have some beautiful flowers, some remaining from uh, Georgia Hoddle service this past uh, Friday. You'll see a couple white roses, one in, in memory for Georgia, another in memory for Linda Fowler, whose uh, service will be here tomorrow at 10 a.m. So we continue in our prayers for those families that are grieving. I believe uh, other flowers were also given uh, this weekend to celebrate uh, Barb Wilson's birthday. So happy birthday to Barb this month. So that's beautiful. Uh, yesterday we had uh, another fantastic uh, Kids Sensational Saturday program, learning about the Holy Week story. The kids did some art, some baking, some music, some movement. And we began with an Easter egg hunt out in front of Good Hall. So thank you for all of the uh, volunteers that came out. We had some new helpers, which was fantastic. We had some new kid faces here, so that was a beautiful thing. So continue to pray for those volunteers uh, as they pour out their heart, that they'll fuel up for it again next month uh, and another great opportunity for outreach. We do have uh, mission crosses available today. Uh, if you support the mission crosses, it will go into a fund, uh, kind of a mission support fund for Fletcher Place, Bibbs, Community Lunch, kind of our, our plethora of outreach, whichever one may need some necessary funds. That's how we're going to help uh, to fund those through the mission crosses. So Amy Walls is helping to um, support that this morning. Also, uh, Easter flowers. I believe there's information in your bulletin. I hope I'm accurate. Yes, indeed, there is. So if you would like to uh, purchase a flower for Easter, there is information in there for you. Those orders are due by the 10th. That's next Sunday. All right. That's, uh, that's enough announcements for this morning. You're looking forward to greeting those around you. So let's do that at this time. Say hello. Offer the peace of Christ as we prepare for worship. Good morning. Good morning. I gotta preach and do communion. I could do announcements all day. <laughs> How we doing? You guys doing all right? Busy? Working? Studying? Partying? A lot of partying? No, no, no. Not right now. No, okay. Not that you're willing to admit. That's cool.
got our liturgist back in place. All right, good. We're so grateful to have Shirley as our liturgist this morning. Joanne uh, Hannon's doing our children's message, and, uh, and I am Pastor David. It's great to be with you online and here in this space. Let us uh, pray as we prepare for worship this morning. Gracious God, we enter to your sanctuary. Um, we come humbly to receive the gift of your spirit, that spirit that refreshes us, that forgives us, that fills us back up with joy so that where we might feel tired, uh, discouraged, where we may be aching because of loss in our church family, we know that your presence will comfort us and will renew us for this next week, this next year ahead. Give us strength that as we continue to meet the witnesses of the cross, um, our faith will be nurtured and inspired and grow so that we too will have the courage to stand by your side always. It's in your son's holy name we lift our prayers this morning. Amen. Good morning. Stand as you are able for the call to worship. When we all have hoped for and trusted in has let us down, there is Christ who reaches out to us. When the world seems dark and despairs threatens to close in upon us, there is Christ reaching out us. Come and let us worship the Lord who has always is always ready to reach out to us. We humbly come before the Lord in hope and faith. The hymn of praise this morning is Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross, number 301.
Our affirmation of faith this morning is the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We'll now do the glory pottery.
Lord, we are returning a portion of what you have given us. So many gifts, so many. May it be used to glorify your name. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. The gospel lesson this morning is Luke 23, 27 through 31. A great number of people followed him, and among them were the women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourself and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that have never bore, and the breasts that have never nursed. They will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? The hymn this morning is... Uh, the Lord goes before you, and it's on the screen.
children's message this morning will be given by uh, Joanne Hannon. Oh, wait. I've made a mistake. <laughs> Funny that I should do that. <clears throat> the second gospel lesson this morning is Matthew 27, 50, 55, and 56. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. Many women were also there, looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee and provided for him. Among them was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Jebedee. And now we will have the children's message with Joanne. I just remembered I needed that. Oh, good. Glad to see you. Gosh, we have five of us here today. How nice. Well, I'm supposed to talk to you about watching up closely. And sometimes there are things that we'd like to watch closely. And there are things that we wouldn't. Is there anything you wouldn't want to watch very closely? Well, you know what? I, I watched the TV show called Dr. Pimple Popper. And my hubby leaves the room. And he says to me, what kind of person would watch a show like that? And I said, well, I don't know. I just kind of like to, I just kind of like to see it. Well, that makes me kind of weird, I, I guess. But anyway, some things we, we like to watch closely, some things we don't. And Sometimes we don't get the chance. A long time ago, and this is a singer that you've never heard about, I'm sure. His name was Frank Sinatra. Did you ever hear that name? He was born 100 years before you. Well, he, um, he was really a good singer, and Hubby and I got tickets. Somebody must have given them to us. So. We were really excited about that. Guess where they were? As far back, it would be like up against that organ wall. And we were sitting back that far in Market Square Arena, and we could lean back against the wall. He looked like a dot. 
to us. And so that was one time we, we didn't watch very closely. But he sounded good, and we were able to hear him. But that, then we went to see Neil Diamond, and we were really excited. Guess where we sat? <laughs> so, so way up there. So we didn't, I guess we didn't have the money to buy those seats down where we could watch closely. So today's scripture talks, talks about um, some women that were, were uh, following Jesus as, as Jesus was going, but they were following at a distance. They weren't up close. And I have to say, if there was anything I would not want to watch up closely, would be Jesus being crucified. I don't think I'd want, I, I don't, I think I'd be trying for the head of the line like I try at Disney World or someplace like that. I think then I want to be back. And then, you know what I do when I really don't want to watch closely? I, I do kind of like close my eyes and I leave one little, one little thing open, like I can see you, but, not, but it helps me to think I'm not seeing him. Anyway, so <laughs> the thought today is that there are things that, that we want to watch closely. And one of those is that we want to watch in our lives what we, what we do, who we follow, where we go, decisions we make, and then we hope that we will always watch Christ closely. Thanks for coming up here. And now could we have a prayer? We thank you, God. You've given so much to us. And you watch us closely. And we count on that. We thank you that we're able to be here today. And we're looking, as we look forward to Easter, in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Joanne. Are you all familiar with the Bette Midler song, From a Distance? Beautiful song. No, Luke? From a distance. All right, well, I'm not going to sing it for you. Maybe later. I, you know, but this week, and thinking along the themes of the sermon, I'm resonating more with Stand By Me. Do you know Stand By Okay, thank you. Good. Yes. It's better to be up close, as Joanne was saying. I have a far away, it wasn't a music concert, but it was a sporting event. Uh, in high school, our marching band got to march for the Indianapolis Colts at halftime in the old Hoosier Dome, and we got to see the second half of the game, and they had us seated, and I think I could touch the squishy dome from where we were sitting, but at least we were there. It's better to be up close, though. I mean, if I'm at a basketball game, I want to be center court, maybe three rows up, so that you're close enough to yell at the players and the refs and they can hear you. You know, you can feel the, feel the game. You know, if you're at a concert, 
Isn't it the dream that you'd be close enough that the lead singer could come out and touch your hand? Or, you know, in church, if you could just sit in the front pews and just be at rapt attention at the preacher's sermon, like, isn't that what we all want, to be up close, surely? <laughs> but sometimes getting up close is a challenge, sure. It's out of our budget. Uh, there's too many other people who want to be up front. Um, maybe you assume that other people are more deserving to be close. You know, they're more connected. They're, they're related to the event or the people in some way. Or maybe there's some fear, uh, some trepidation at, at being up front. I, sometimes in a classroom, it's nice to sit in the back so the teacher might not ask you to solve her problem or maybe so you can take your nap and you're a little more obscured if you're in the back of the lecture hall. Being further back provides a bit of cover, doesn't it? Um, particularly if you're at an event uh, that is an unpopular scene, like a fight or a crime. Don't you want to be in the back, you know? Distance provides less association. You know, if you're close up, then it's supposing you are endorsing what's happening. So when it comes to the witnesses at the cross, who is up close and who is afar. Of course, we've spent time with the other victims and the soldiers. They are directly involved with this act. Some of the bystanders have been close enough to curse at Jesus. John's gospel insists that the beloved disciple is there at the foot of the cross. I'm convinced, though, if there are any supporters of Jesus who are willing to sit mid to front pew, it would be the women. Not that the male gospel writers always illustrate this fact. You know, too often the voices that put our Bible stories together lose track of the female witness. It's another case of the dis disappearing women in the Bible at times. And none is worse than Luke, who we read first today. You know, if you typically would ask me, which gospel do you really enjoy? What do you resonate with, David? I would say I really, I really enjoy Luke's gospel. He features marginalized people a lot. He has some unique stories only found in his gospel, the Good Samaritan, the Lost Sheep, the Prodigal Son. But after this week and rereading through the closing stories, I'm a little bit disappointed with Luke, frankly, on how male-centric his story is and how his female leads kind of slip away. Earlier in his gospel, he does acknowledge that women supported Jesus in his ministry. Chapter 8 of Luke, we read, Jesus went through the cities and villages proclaiming good news of the kingdom. The twelve, the disciples, were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Susa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. So clearly there are women here, named women, who are devoted followers of Christ, invested in his mission, and traveling with him. 
But by the end of the story, the women seem to just disappear into the crowd as Luke enters what he must consider the male world of politics and violence. He forgets the women's names. He makes them an afterthought. But they are not. They are not. They are watching. Perhaps from a distance, I'm more in line with the Gospel writer John, that they are fairly up close. First, there were the daughters of Jerusalem. Now, these are women from within the city, and they would have been recent converts to Christ's cause. And they are noticed because they're beating their chests, which is a sign of lament and repentance. Now, some some skeptical interpreters say these women are what you would call professional mourners. That is, these women might come alongside the grieving family members of those who are being executed, and they would get paid to be part of this tearful ritual of bereavement. I'm more of the opinion that these women have connected with Jesus. They have heard stories about him, perhaps through other women followers, about he, how he has come close to those who are often overlooked and ignored. These women of Jerusalem are paying attention. They are like the centurion. They see this, this is a righteous man, and they are weeping at the death of this innocent man. They are crying because they can see injustice being carried out. They repent because they are unable to intervene. They can't stop it. But they aren't cowards. They're going public with their tears. They're tears that read to me almost like protest. Shouting, moving, demonstrating, within sight of angry soldiers and pompous political leaders and Jesus himself. They are willing to express this deep disapproval of how Jesus has been treated. And upon hearing these women respond, and Jesus does see them, and Jesus hears them, and Jesus consoles them, he tells them that their tears, their lamentation is misplaced. They are weeping for him, for unfairness, for this trial. But he instructs them, move your tears towards the city, the city of Jerusalem that is caught up in sin and injustice and exploitation. Jesus can see ahead 30 years from his death. Jesus will be set ablaze by the Romans. The families will be starved into submission. A devastating turn of events culminating from the brokenness of the city. Jesus says in that day, It'll be like women crying that their children were not born because they will have to witness this horrific scene. Jesus says, if you're going to cry, if you're going to lament, if you're going to protest, do so for the innocent parents and children that are suffering and will die, for this community that's going to perish under injustice. Even as he heads to his cross, he turns us, our attention, our tears, to the people in our community who are hurting at what really aches his heart. In addition to these women along the road who are up close with him, there are Galilean women who have been with him for three years. 
They've learned, they've followed, they've sacrificed to be with him. And now they observe as spikes are driven into his hands in Golgotha. Now Luke again does them disservice, lumping them in with, quote, all the acquaintances that Jesus had. Matthew, Mark, and John at least help us out by offering them names. And they are also a little, I think, sharper on their picture of this event. Because if we look around, we do not see any of the men that sat at the Last Supper with Jesus, those that he fished with, those that touched lepers with him and shared stories with him. All of these, but maybe the beloved disciple, are gone. Who is left? Mary Magdalene, Jesus' mother, perhaps Jesus' aunt, Mary's sister, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. The only ones left are the women. How close are they? Oh, our front row, a little ways back. We don't know, but Jesus can see them, and Jesus can speak to them. We don't hear the wor words of the women, their encouragement or their prayers. The authors don't allow us that. But we do know they remain, don't they? They remain through the gruesome events. The deplorable injustice, the bloodshed, the death, the burial, they stay. They stay there up close. They do not abandon due to fear of association or because their stomach can't handle this scene. Regardless of whether they can do anything about this situation, they abide. They suffer with. Like too many other faithful witnesses whose courage is unwavering, whose bravery comes in the, in the face of unmovable presence, we have these women who watch Jesus die. Can we acknowledge their devotion? Can we repent that their stories are incomplete? Can we allow them to inspire who we are as followers of Jesus? They teach us about grief as part of our spiritual journey. Not only the grief we have in missing a loved one, working out how we will live now that a significant relationship is gone, but also how do we lament wrongs done around us? You know, what, what injustice is so heinous in your eyes that it makes you cry? And not just in your bedroom, but perhaps with a group of friends in your Sunday school class, something just aches you so much your class would cry about it. What, what pain in the community creates not only tears, but apology that you feel helpless about it? And not even apology, but a sense of advocacy. We must say something about this. Does anything cause that type of frustration in us? And if not, does that say that perhaps we're standing a little too far back, so to speak? You know, what do we need to get up close and personal with the things that wound Jesus that we might be wounded as well? And what does it look like to step into that pain of another person and share in that suffering and remain there no matter how hard? You might not be able to fix it. You might feel uncomfortable, but what enables us to stay and cry? And what does our Christian faith tell us about suffering with others? 
Have you heard of Amy Carmichael's story? Hers, like many stories of amazing Christian women, often get lost to me and others. I learned about Amy. She suffers from a, a nerve disease, or she did, this pain that she felt, this chronic illness that often landed her in bed for weeks at a time. But Amy had this calling for Christian service and mission. She longed to serve in China but could not go because of her health. She was on a missionary trip to Japan, but it was cut short because of her illness. At the age of 28, she traveled to India to seek some treatment for her disease. And while there, she witnessed this systemic injustice happening to young girls, girls as young as five and six, who were being forced into lifelong prostitution as part of an old religious tradition there. And she heard these girls, these orphan stories, and it just wounded her. She lamented for these girls until finally she felt like she had to enact her Christian faith. And so she took one of the girls into her home, and then another, and another. She became ama, mother, to many of them. Amy remained in India for 55 years without furlough, taking in a thousand girls, introducing them to the love of Jesus that is healing, that is restoration, that is grace. Amy went on to write about her experience, encouragement and inspiration for those who struggle with their call, and how to remain committed to it when it is so challenging. I mean, you know, I don't want to mention any specific names or visits, but I have been on some pastoral visitations at times that are uncomfortable. Perhaps the person I'm visiting doesn't remember me or the church anymore. Maybe the person can no longer respond with words or even a movement of their head or, or their eyes. There have been visits where the people I see are agitated or unhappy or pessimistic or just downright unpleasant. And there are times when I think, why am I, why am I still here? You know, what is, what is the effect of this visit? It doesn't feel good to be here. This is hard. I want to go home. <laughs> What's the point in my staying? And then I remember God has placed before me this visit for the day. God plans to be here in this interaction. Something might happen, not because I'm going to say something so intelligent or I'm going to do anything miraculous. The Holy Spirit's going to work because I choose to remain here and be with this person. And maybe I'll read some scripture or maybe we'll just sit in quiet but the Holy Spirit intervenes when we choose to remain. And when we do, you know, there's no medal for great courage, no recognition for toughing it out, even though it feels awkward. Most of these moments, most of these memories are never even told. But praise God for those unknown heroes, many of whom are in this room, who exemplify the faith of those who witness the cross because you have found a way to stay close to someone who needs Jesus. Thanks be to God.
Let us sing together as we have during this season of Lent. Another verse, were you there? God is in our midst in many ways. You may experience God while you're cooking in your kitchen, uh, while you're driving and praying in your car, while you're reading a good book or opening the Bible, singing a song. Uh, but in qu Christian worship, we, uh, we articulate God's nearness, God coming close, seeing God up close through sacrament, where grace is revealed in everyday elements. Baptism in water, communion, bread and cup. So may we enter into this time where God draws near to us and where we come up close to experience the loving and forgiving presence of God in our lives. Join me as we pray in confession as we prepare for this holy meal. Patient Lord, too often we want our religion only to be a joyful presence where you cure our ills and give us success and happiness. We find it easy to flee when the demands of faith become dangerous and uncomfortable. and We are overly worried about the other eyes watching us. We calculate the cost as outweighing the reward of our allegiance and trust. We hope no one notices the insincerity of our spirituality. But forgive us when our faith has found home in the shadows. Make us to recognize your presence and love for us. Give us the courage of the first witnesses who remained near enough to see the worst of your suffering and who did not depart in fear. We want to remain firm to tell the story of salvation. Amen. In Jesus Christ, we may let go of our fears. As witnesses of the cross, we are set free by a God who has forgiven us and offered us healing love. Accept this gift and rejoice in life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And all 
friends, it is a good and right thing always and everywhere to give thanks to God, creator of heaven and earth. O God, you are our hiding place. You preserve us from trouble. You surround us with glad cries of deliverance. Let us be glad in you and rejoice and shout for joy. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending God, holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Through parables, he demonstrated your steadfast love for all of us, for all your children. You welcome us back with loving arms when we stray from you. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce a time has come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he ate with sinners, and by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you, O oh God, gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he gave thanks to you, O God. He, he took the cup, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for you in a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Hosanna in the Lord God, you hear the aches of our hearts, our petitions to you for those who are suffering, our tears, 
our lament, our beating of chest, for our hurt and pain around the world, and for grief within our own congregation. We pray, Lord, that you would comfort the families of Georgia Hoddle and Linda Fowler. We pray that you would bring healing to Phyllis Austin, who is hospitalized, that you would continue to strengthen those who are recovering from recent surgery. Lord God, be with your people. Draw near to us. Make yourself known and hope renewed. Pour out your Holy Spirit now on all of us gathered here, on these gifts of bread and of juice, and make them be for us the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood, that we might be new creations in him. By your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet table. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. 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 Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. I invite those who will be assisting with communion to come first to receive the elements. And then we'll be inviting each of you to come down the center aisle to receive the bread from myself. The ushers will serve you a cup and you may take time to pray at the altar before the kneeling rails before returning to your pews by the side aisles. Gentlemen, the body of Christ broken for you. Receive the good news of salvation. Thanks be to God cup of salvation, the blood of Christ has been shed for you. Drink and be thankful.
Let us pray. Lord God, we do weep at the suffering that you faced on our behalf. We tend to be those that would rather watch from a distance because the scene is too gruesome, because we can't bear to see you suffer so. But draw us near to you, not only to witness your sacrifice for us, but also to feel your loving presence given to us. Having drawn near to you in this meal, we feel strengthened to stay close to you with our lives. Keep us true in this commitment that in all ways we will walk side by side, face to face with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you join us here as we close in singing? What wondrous love is
the idea of joyful praising in heaven makes me think that we might have some music coming up. Do we have some upcoming concerts? Oh, to, yeah. Do we? We do this evening. This here. evening, in yeah. The sanctuary at 6 o'clock. Um, there's <laughs> new music by, by all these guys. Top left, I'm sure you recognize Logan, yeah. has written a, uh, a saxophone quartet, three movements long. It's beautiful. Uh, all right. Love to see you there. Great, yeah. So continue the music, the great praise. We'll look forward to praising with you next Sunday for Palm Sunday. Go forth in the peace of God today, nourished by this, this, this holy meal, and, and uh, as we all strive to be those witnesses that are willing to, to draw close to suffering, uh, to share the love of Christ this week. Go in his strength. Amen. Amen.